Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 22. Uh, and this week, another exciting guest. Um, for the listeners out there, this podcast has been about how everyone has their own path. Um, there's no individual right path. There's not one set in stone that makes you get to where you want to go in life. And I think this guy is a perfect example. Um, he's been through a lot throughout his career. If you look on paper, I don't think it would emulate to where he's been and he's been able to come overcome a lot of uh obstacles along the way to get to where he is now playing pro hockey in germany he's been over there for some time um also been through a lot recently and some health stuff including concussions and i think that's an important topic today that a lot of young kids uh need to be educated on but first let's get to our guest welcome to the podcast steven deeg thanks for having me here z appreciate it i'm happy you could come on and uh yeah, obviously we have a lot to talk about today. Um, but first, let's go back to the beginning. Um, you were born in, in Ajax, Ontario. Is that where you first kind of learned to to put the skates on and fall in love with the game of hockey? Yeah, um, I was actually so I was actually born at Scarborough Centenary Hospital. Um, but yeah, we my uh, my family, uh, my mom and dad, we lived in Ajax um, right away in the South End. And then um, I actually started playing hockey when I was about probably about three years old. My dad was obviously super into hockey. Um, I mean, he loved it as a kid. He actually never ended up, uh, got to play as a kid. Uh, kind of a funny story. Um, it was actually because he was in German school during uh, his childhood growing up. So my, uh, my Oma and Opa, or my grandma and grandpa, uh never allowed him to play hockey whereas some of his buddies like had equipment you know and uh, they were playing in, in like a rec league or uh, whether it was you know at the time i don't know if it would have been like single a uh or double a or triple a at the time uh in scarborough so my dad always just played road hockey growing up and he played uh a ton of other sports and then probably when i was about you know two or three years old my dad actually had me in skates and um he would actually growing up there was like old pictures he would go through where he would literally just put me in the high chair in the net and i would kind of be like the goalie and he would just joke around and you know shoot a tennis ball or whatever in the net and or i would just sit there watch him play and then actually once i was able to to walk and move pretty good he got me a pair of skates and um i still remember like when i was three well not so much remember but i mean there's videos you know where him and my opa my grandpa they would take me down to the to ajax community center um you know and i would skate around with one of those i forget what they were called like those uh those red you know what i mean like the pushers mm -hmm. they have and i would mm -hmm. use those to skate around and then pretty much from there i fell in love with it you know i would play um when i was four or five i would play timbits hockey um a couple of my best friends to this day i played timbits hockey with like in ajax um uh yeah and then like um that that's basically how it started and then uh pretty much uh, you know all the way through um i kept playing kept playing and um i you know i was good uh to lucky enough to play at a high level growing up um and I was good enough. And uh, yeah, it was pretty much my dad and my Opa pretty much got me into it. You know, my mom's a big hockey fan as well. Um, but my dad's been a, a huge Leaf fan and hockey fan his whole life. So I still remember I was born in the year 93. And 
it's a kind of a funny story. Like my dad used to have this old VHS tape of the Leafs playoff run in 93 when they went through like the Red Wings, uh, the Blues, and then eventually lost to the Kings. But my dad used to always tell me the story. He'd be holding me in his hand or like I'd be sitting in a laundry basket watching the game. And when Gilmore, I think it was against the Blues, he scored that wraparound goal. Uh, and over time to win, he said he dropped me like right on my head, basically. <laughs> um, uh, or just dropped me in the laundry basket because he was screaming so loud. So, I mean, that's that's kind of like the start of my upbringing, basically, with, with hockey, um, where I learned to play. Um, obviously, I had great, you know, parental support from my dad, especially my opa, too. My opa, like I said, for my opa, I mean, my dad never got to play. So for him to see me in skates and stuff like that, it was I think it was a blast for him, you know, growing up, um, you know, for my parents and him as well. Yeah, it normally always starts with, you know, your parents getting you involved or in this case too, like your 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 opa, your grandpa was also very into it as well. And that story about the the Gilmore, I mean, that year, obviously, Carrie Fraser, that, that was a penalty, but... Uh... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember the VHS tape. I gotta, I want to see if I can find it. It's probably too old. It's probably on YouTube, but I, I used to watch that video religiously. It was just about their playoff run. Would have been uh, crazy, awesome. man, because they were in the West yeah. back then. So it would have been them versus Montreal in the final, which I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Now, so back to you then. So as you said, you obviously, uh, you know, your parents, uh, your dad, and your opa would take you to the rink at a young age. You'd skate around with those little helper things, like whatever they're called. I forget the name as well. Um, in Germany, yeah. they're the they're the penguins always, the like penguins. the little penguins you hold on to. <laughs> yeah, but um. And then you said like you were able to kind of continue like once you got into Timmits and stuff, you just kept like enjoying the game and obviously were a good player. And then so your minor hockey path then, was it strictly the whole time you stayed with Ajax Pickering and just kind of worked your way up through the AAA system there? So, yeah. So probably when it was about after Timbits, when I was six or seven, um, they actually had select hockey in Ajax. So um, I would play uh, like it was like six-year-old select, seven-year-old select for the Ajax Knights. And those years I was like, like above and beyond, like one of the, the better players um, in the league. Um, you know, I, I think I was a little bit bigger than everyone could skate better than everyone. And even that first year of AAA when I was eight years old, and I think it was like minor novice, I was, you know, one of the best players. Um, and that year was interesting, actually, because the, that was the first year of AAA and we weren't very good that year. And I remember, I still remember my dad coming in to talk to me um for that next year that novice year i believe or uh yeah it would have been novice and he said hey like we let's try and you know go to the city and play in the gthl for a year and see what happens and i i think that's what happens a lot nowadays too even you know when i played a lot of kids you know move back and forth but then it was a big prof like a process like you basically had to i believe get your release from the city so I ended up getting my release from Ajax and then going to the city and I played for the Wexford Raiders, my nine-year-old AAA year. And then that year, I think that would have, probably would have been novice. That was just like not a good year of hockey. We, again, we weren't very good. Um, I didn't really fit in well. It was different too. It was like driving. All the games were in the city, um, which was fine. It was easier to travel for my parents. Uh, I mean, I don't blame them, but um Unfortunately, that year just didn't work out um, too great for me. And then uh, there was actually a couple of us that left that year from Ajax, like uh, some of the top better players. 
Um, you know, a couple guys went to Markham Islanders or, or other teams. And then, uh, and then it was crazy actually the year after, uh, right away the next year, um, I came right back to Ajax and so did the, the other guys that left too. And then basically from minor or so from novice from 10 years old. So I was about, I guess, 16 years old draft year. I played for the Ajax Pickering Raiders, um, all the way, uh, triple A. So, I mean, I was always, and that's kind of when that age, I think like, you know, I dominated for, it was kind of funny. I, I really dominated from an age like six to 10. And then after that, I was obviously a good player in the league, but I wasn't like a top, top, top player. So it was kind of funny. Like everyone kind of, you know, kind of caught up to me a little bit, you know, um, got to my height, you know, my speed, you know, my skill level and everything. Um, but it was funny, minor hockey, you know, in Ajax Pickering, our team was always okay, pretty good, but we still had a lot of guys like in the city and guys coming and so like every year we, it was interesting. We got better and better and we started competing with, you know, the York Simcoe's who have a huge draw, um, you know, Quinty Red Devils, um, you know, the Markham Waxers, the Barry Colts, these teams. And then pretty much by the time we got to like 15 and 16 years old, we were like one of the best teams, like by far, like maybe like top 20 in, in Ontario or you know, the old mate chain, the GTHL as well. Cause we got everyone back. You know, we had a couple guys that were playing for the Toronto Marlies that came back, you know, the Detroit Red Wings, these good teams in the city. And that was actually awesome. I remember those last like two years, probably so Bantam and, uh, and minor midget. It was fun. We had like a really good team that year. And, you know, we, in the, in the old mate league, I think it was pretty much us. York Simcoe was very good, obviously, you know, Quinty was the, one of the top teams and then Peterborough basically. So it was kind of like us four. And, uh, and that was, those years were a blast too. We were really good. And then, uh, my last year too, my draft year when I was 16 in minor hockey, I, I was the captain of the team. Um, and it was good. It was fun. Like playing for your hometown. Obviously it was a little more travel for my parents. Um, but it, it, it was, uh, those years were great. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's really, uh, not much more I can say about those, those Ajax Pickering years. Um, it, it was, uh, it, it was a blast. I really enjoyed playing there. We obviously didn't, uh, didn't play against each other cause we're a couple of years apart, but I remember like when I yeah. first started, I was in Peterborough. So I was in that, yeah, you know, with yeah. that travel. So I was like, we had a close game, which was like Oshawa or Whippy, but then we had like, the the Markhams or the York Simcoe's and I remember like in Peterborough there was it was fun for us at a young age because there was a rule in Peterborough that every game except for the away games to Lindsay because Lindsay was like 30 minutes we had to take a bus so yeah that's right yeah 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 so so at like seven years old like I feel like I'm in the OHL like taking a bus to every game like your parents are coming yeah. I think the parents loved it too because they're, they're all in the back drinking beers and like yeah yeah exactly having yeah, a good that time was always a rule with every Peterborough team right yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. there was something happened to a, a team or a player when they were young and I remember that at yeah but it was cool as a kid as I said but uh yeah then obviously you as you said you end up staying there and you guys were always a good team and um you know, that minor midget year, you end up getting drafted uh, to the Belleville Bulls, who uh, aren't a team anymore. But at the time, uh, you were 10th round there. And I'm just wondering, so at this point in your life, 
was it all in your head? Was it like, I'm, I'm going, I want to go OHL. Like that's my like main focus after minor hockey. Yeah, that's a great question. Actually. It's, it's, um, it's one that's kind of tough for me to, uh, you know, to really uh, say if it was one thing or the other. Um, if I could just go back a little bit to that, that 16 year, um, we were really good. I remember, I think we had like, I want to say anywhere, I don't want to miss say this, but it was anywhere from like six to 10 kids on our team drafted that year. We had a really good team. And I remember that year too, um, we ended up losing. We got upset in the first round of Barry in game five. Uh, that was, it was a best three out of five series. And then that, uh, when that happened, we never actually got a chance to get to the OHL cup because we were, uh, we lost in the first round. They didn't let us in, unfortunately. Um, so that was tough too. I think they said like a lot of kids on our team probably fell like, you know, two, three rounds basically because we didn't get that extra exposure, you know, at the end of the year too. Um, but for me, you know, getting drafted to Belleville, um, it was, it was pretty surreal. It was awesome. Um, I, I, uh, I was very happy with that, you know, with all the hard work he put in, you know, growing up and stuff like that to, to be able to, to get drafted in the OHL priority selection. Um, and then with regards to wanting to play there, you know, like immediately like, Hey, I want to make the OHL. I was kind of flip-flop to be honest. I, um, now if I could go back and look at it, I probably would have worked twice as hard to make the OHL. Um, as I did, I was always kind of flip-flop whether if I wanted to go to the States or not, because I remember when we were about 14 or 15, we did a couple trips. We went to, uh, we went to Niagara university and I remember we went to Michigan university to watch, uh, the Wolverines play. And I remember, I, I remember I just fell in love, like going to Michigan, like at that rank at the, the Yost arena and, uh, and watching a game there. And then I kind of was like a half part of me was kind of like, okay, I really want to play ncaa d1 after seeing that but then when i got drafted it was kind of like flip-flop too okay i really want to do playing the ohl as well so i really didn't have like a clear path of what you know i wanted to do and then when i was 16 actually so belleville was kind of turning over that year they actually i think they went to the mem cup um the year before with you know they had a uh, PK Subban, you know, a bunch of different guys, um, that were on that team and they were kind of turning over like a new leaf, basically. Um, they had a really good team, I, I believe the year before, um, you know, Sean Lalonde was there. I think Steve Silas, um, I want to say Tan Grady was there. I could be, you know, miss saying that or a couple of different guys that, that were there. And, and, uh, they actually, the next year they turned over a lot, but the rule was when you're 16, you can only sign four guys. To the roster so that year they already signed the first round pick the second round pick the third round pick and the fourth round pick so that first year i knew i didn't have a chance you know really to make the team um and then so it was it was really hard for me to say you know going to camp was awesome um you know as a belleville there was a lot of history there at the time um but that first year i kind of knew i wasn't going to play for the bulls anyways but just going to camp and getting the experience was was really cool at 16 and then um you know kind of going forward i was i was still it was weird for me that's one big hockey i wouldn't say mistake but something i look back on where it was like i kind of had my feet you know you know on the fence basically or i was kind of sitting on the fence you know hey do i want to really pursue you know to, to go play ncaa division one or do i really want to make the ohl and for me that was kind of you know, at the time, I, I, I didn't really have a, a clear cut decision on what to do. 
I remember uh, like lots to talk about there. Um, I remember that that team. So the year before you got drafted, they went to the Mem Cup. Like it was in Kitchener. Yeah, and yeah. I, I went. I went to that. So I remember that team. I remember Mike Murphy yeah. with his yellow pads. Um, That's right, Mike Murphy. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. Subban was there. Ten Grady, all of them. So yeah. they had. Yeah, they had a really Grady, good team. Yeah. Um, yeah, Grubauer was the backup. I don't know if Bolesky was there at the time too, as well. He might have been there. He might have been a little bit older. Yeah, could have been, but. Uh, yeah. No, and then just like I thought it was cool to hear because at that young age, and I just remember like us growing up, the fact that you got to go see the kind of those NCAA games kind of probably opened your eyes to that path where maybe if you hadn't, you would always have been just focused straight on, you know, it's OHL. And, um, you know, it's good that teams do that. I think it's good to see both sides. And obviously, it's easy to look back now and be like, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I think everyone has those. But like to your point yeah. with the, just with the maybe working harder, like, you know, being more focused in, in training or whatever, I think that would have been good for both sides because then it just, you know, you, you obviously, and we're going to get to this, you, you end up going to play five years in the OJHL, so tier two junior. And yeah. maybe at that point, if you're maybe a little more dialed on and off the ice, you know, it's opening doors, whether it's in the OHL, maybe after one or two years in, in tier two junior, or it's NCAA. So that's like a thing I think it's good for, the young listeners to hear is that, you know, no matter what, no matter what your your goals are, no matter what path you feel like you got to go, you got to commit to it and make sure, you, you know, you put the the work in on and off the ice. Exactly. And that's the other big thing, too, is some people don't realize is, you know, at, a, at such a young age, you know, when you're 16 years old and, you know, it's like, hey, do I got to make a decision here? Do I want to play some exhibition games in the OHL and, and basically lose my eligibility? Or do I want to say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to, you know, wait a year and basically keep all my options open, which again, both things can be good. Maybe you have a good, you know, a couple exhibition games and a good showcase and, you know, you're on their radar or you sign or you're, you're going to be on the team next year, or you could have a bad couple of games, you know what I mean? And everything falls off from there. And then your complete goal is all right. I got to make the OHL. You know what I mean? I just basically ruined my my chances at a, a an NCAA scholarship, right? So it, it's kind of interesting, and I think it's tough for young kids too to kind of make a decision, you know, at, at that age. Yeah, I've always just said like there's obviously multiple factors, but I would I've said all along if you're a top five round draft pick the OHL, then I think your chances of making it within the first two years are probably better than someone like yourself who was taken in a later round and obviously for sure at that time yeah. overlooked but at the same time there's so many factors like maybe you're a 10th rounder but school isn't for you so like yeah. you're not you're not very good and then it's just the ohl or maybe you're a second rounder but school is for you and you hey thanks guys for drafting me but i'm gonna i want to go NCAA. so obviously there's there's many things that go into it um back to kind of your career so as i said you end up playing five years in the ojhl four with whitby and then yep. your last year, you end up going to Wellington. And for me, when I when I look at your career, I just I just see progression, and I think that's positive. Like you obviously were a, and there's nothing wrong with saying this. I think just maybe you were a late bloomer in terms of like the junior level. Every year, you slowly getting better, but you weren't. Yeah, you weren't putting up those massive points at 16 uh, that maybe some other kids were. But my question is, when you're every year, you're progressing feeling better in the league, uh, getting to kind of know what type of player you are. What was the interest like, like from the outside? Like was at that point, you know, when you're, you're, cause you went at 16. So when you're like 18, 19, have you just like completely shut off? Okay. 
Belleville, for example, not going to think about that anymore. And now it's time to focus on either CIS or, or NCAA. Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, kind of a long story, but uh, so when I was 16, actually, yeah, I got I got the chance to, to play junior A um, at the time in the OJHL. And I think the rule at the time, I don't know if the rules change now, but it was you were only allowed two underagers, so two 16-year-olds at the time. So, um, I mean, for me, I was very fortunate. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it, the situation I was put in um, was good for me. I got, I got a chance to to play as an underager, you know, in Whippy and get that junior experience right away at the first year. Um, but however, you know, if I look back on it now, like we said, there's a lot of shit of what it could have. I think that decision for me was probably a decision. If I could go back on, I would change. I probably would have played that major midget year, um, of minor hockey. Um, and it's kind of goes with the old saying, you know, you gotta go where you're going to play to, to really excel, you know, especially at a young age, it's so important for these kids, you know, whether, you know, they're, they're 12, 13, 14, if they're playing, you know, they're not playing much at the AAA level. They should be playing double A, you know, get more exposure, get more exposure, get better. And that was the thing for me with, with, uh, in Whippy that first year when I was 16, I honestly just like, if I'm being completely honest, I just wasn't ready, um, as a 16 year old to jump into that league right away. Um, I, I, and I can't speak on what the league is like now, but looking back on that year, you know, playing against guys that are 18, 19, 20, like there was some, that was a pretty nasty league. There were some big boys in that league back in the day, as, as you know, you remember because you played in the same league. But um, you know, my my speed just wasn't there at the time. I had I had everything else, all the toolboxes, but I just I couldn't keep up that year. Really, if I look back on it, you know, I I think I trained hard in the off season. I just I wasn't fast enough, and I wasn't reading the game, you know, as quick. Whereas if I could go back on it, I actually would have played, I should have played that 16 year or 17 year um, major midget that first season. I think for me, my progression would have been a lot better um, because, you know, going into my 17 year, like you said, every year I did get better and that was awesome to see. Um, but I just felt like that 16 year was kind of like, I almost hit a wall. If you know what I mean, where I, I just, I, I really, you know, I did not excel that year. I, I was, um, I was, you know, getting scratched and out of the lineup. You know, if I was playing, I was playing fourth line minutes, you know, um, a couple of skips a game. Um, you know, there was, there was times where I would remember I would see the ice maybe once or twice and then it would come to the third period and there, there was no chance. I, I was really touching the ice. So. Um, again, it kind of goes both ways. You know, it was good for me to get that exposure, I believe at such a young age and play as an underager, 16 years old. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it was, a, it was a tough year for me. It was long, you know, I felt, you know, not so much lonely, but you know, you're, you're getting in your own head a lot, you know, you're not playing. And, um, I think it's, you know, it's kind of cliche to, to say again, but like, you're only going to get better if, if you're playing, you know, you're getting the minutes, the in-game minutes, you know, seeing the ice, you know, in, in a game situation. And for me that year, that was tough. It was, um, it was definitely a long season, that 16 year old year. Um, but I think, uh, like you said, that the progression did get better each year. You know, I don't think my, my 16, 17, 18 years in junior, I was ever, you know, a force out there, but I was playing like a, a, a good role especially my 17 and 18 year old year, um, kind of in a shutdown role. Um, but yeah, that, that first year was tough for me. If I could go back, I would definitely, you know, do things differently. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
there was always that debate and i feel like we came up in a weird time where they were still thinking the old school way but also we're trying to integrate the new the new thinking and what i mean by that is guys before us that played it was if you had a chance at 16 to play junior c junior b junior a you're doing it because it's better than going back and playing midget and it'll give you that exposure which is true it gives you exposure but to your credit because you played your 16 year old year for whippy and as you said, like even your your second, third year, like you you still weren't putting up a lot of points, but you're obviously put in a different role. But there could be an argument that says, hey, if I went back and played my midget year and played in all scenarios, played consistently, was able to work on my skills, grow my game, would I have been better to jump at 17 to junior versus, you know, as you said, basically in and out of the lineup at 16? And I think for me, I haven't. I think I know what I would do. Like I would agree with you. I think it's better to play. I did that too. I went instead of making the jump to junior, I went back to midget. I didn't get drafted, and and because my goalie had gotten drafted, he was in the OHL the whole year. Didn't really play a lot of games, and I was playing every midget game because we had one goalie, so it was perfect for my development. Um, but at the same time, I it also depends on your scenario because so many people like, you know, you see it in the OHL, like they go at 16, they don't put up a lot of points that year, they get the exposure, but then they come back for that 17 year and that's their draft year. And a lot of these kids are putting up way more points, playing more time than they have getting drafted. So I think it really depends on the person, but it takes, what I would say is it like looking back and for you to like be honest about it. Like, I think that's a good message. And I think it takes a lot to be like, yeah, you know, I enjoyed what I did, but at the same time, this might've been better. Um, so when you end up playing those years, when did your like when was there starting to get interest for you from school like had you always planned on you know what i'm going to play junior until i'm done so till 21 or was it hey if i get an offer whether it's cis ncaa like how was that time for you like were you talking to teams in both kind of school situations yeah that's a that's a good question actually so kind of going back to um you know probably that that 17 year old season in whippy um you know i didn't i didn't really have a, a a great season in general, but I was playing like a good shutdown role, like a third line role. And, um, I actually still had my, uh, I still wasn't released from the OHL that year. Um, I was still with Belleville, um, which was good for me. Um, and then probably the end of that 17 year, I got a call back from Belleville cause they had a couple spots available that next season. Um, and I was excited at that point, you know, even if I missed my, my 16 and 17 year old year, I was, I thought, you know, I was ready. I could jump in to the OHL at the age of 18. You know, I felt faster. I felt like I was seeing the game better in junior. Um, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, pr- producing a, a ton of points, but, um, I knew what type of player I was at the time. And I thought I could fill a good role on that Belleville team, um, going into my 18 year. Um, and then I was just unfortunate circumstances, actually, it's kind of a crazy story, but, uh, that summer, I think I went to rookie camp. I did very well. Um, and they, they were like, come back to main camp in shape, get ready and, and get going. And I was like, okay, you know, like I'm going to have a big summer ahead of me, you know, train, you know, as hard as I can. Um, and which I think I did, but then, uh, it was just like out of the blue, unfortunate. I ended up getting mono like in August. And like my body just got hit by a friggin' wall. Like I was done for like a month. And I think that camp ended up starting up again, like late August for that main camp for Belleville. 
And when I went there and did my physical, um, they actually found out, um, basically like when you, sometimes when you get mono, you can get really bad and basically your spleen, I believe hangs below your rib cage essentially. And I actually, when I went there, I did my full physical, they did a full examination. Um, I was actually like that time. I just, I wasn't feeling good that whole month. I think I lost like 13 or 14 pounds and you no know, pale white as a ghost all of August. And, um, it was unfortunate that I was probably one of the toughest moments in my hockey career going back I, I actually got they actually sent me home from main camp um that year just because i wasn't even able to skate just because of my condition at the time you know i wasn't feeling good i wasn't in shape anymore uh, i was losing all this weight and everything and and uh that that was tough for me to be honest that was kind of a cold moment you know in the hockey career and um but uh they ended up releasing me a couple of weeks later so i was officially off you know, their radar and essentially a free agent in the OHL. But I knew kind of at that point, you know, when you hit 18, it's, that's pretty much the end of, of your chance to kind of get into the OHL. So I ended up going back to junior that year, playing for Whitby, um, started feeling better in September, um, started getting, I think I missed, maybe missed a couple games in September there early, but I started getting, you know, back in the lineup feeling good. And that year was, um, you know, looking back on it, I guess it's, you know, like I said, it was probably one of the, you know, the crappiest moments of my hockey career getting booted home from Belleville camp that year with a chance probably to make the OHL and, you know, jump into a, you know, a third or or fourth line role and play a shutdown role. But that year in Whippy was, um, wasn't, it turned out to be incredible for me. I had, I had really good line mates at the time. I know I was a centerman. I was playing center. Um, So I was playing like second or third line center moving up and down kind of the lineup playing a ton of minutes playing good shutdown against uh you know some of the uh, the top players in the league and the top teams and uh, that whole year just kind of you know our team just gelled we had so many good players on that team um you know Devin Shore ended up being a, a second round draft pick of the Dallas Stars that year um he was incredible we had good goaltending um you know everyone was was filling in roles I wouldn't say we had any guys that really lit up the league but we just uh we just kept rolling and um i remember in playoffs that year it was it was funny because there's so many teams in the ojhl we i think we won our first series it was best three out of five we won three straight and then it started becoming four to seven and i think like through the the the, the round of 16 the quarterfinals and the semis we rolled through everybody like it wasn't even close i think that year going into the finals so that three series best four to sevens and that three to five we were like 15 and two going into the finals that year and we were just like we were loaded like our whole lineup like all four lines were good our d were good our goaltending was was really good and then um that final that year was a blast we ended up playing stoville in the finals in my 18 uh junior year uh series kind of went back and forth a little bit you know it was i think one one and then it went two two and then I remember game five in Stouffville, we, we lost, I, like, I think a pretty tight game, um, unfortunately. And then we were coming back to Whippy for, uh, for game six, um, against Stouffville at the time. And, um, we actually ended up losing, I believe in double overtime, um, to Stouffville in the OJHL final. So that was, that was tough. You know, I, uh, you know, you get to go that far all that way, especially in the OJHL with the extra teams, right? You play that extra series, you know, you're playing five rounds of a playoff hockey and, and to lose in the final like that, that was, uh, that was tough. And then to watch Stouffville go all the way to the RBC cup and do well too. That was obviously 
a, a tough a tough thing but um looking back on that 18 year i think that's kind of really when i hit my stride like uh, as, as a player and, and in my role you know i was i was playing really well i, I was getting my strength back i was stronger I, I was seeing the game better and i think that kind of really prepped me for my my 19 and 20 year you know going into those last two years of, of junior hockey where i was starting to see some you know, some, some interest from different schools, um, you know, especially that, that 18 year, I remember at the showcases, I was, I was doing well, playing a good role and, and starting talking to some NCAA D1 schools, some D3 schools, and then rolling into my 19 year where, you know, you only got two years left. You, you start talking to more schools and, and you kind of realize, okay, maybe, you know, after junior hockey, this isn't it for me. I can, I can keep playing and, and eventually, you know, go, you know, whether it's the NCAA route or at the time it was the CIS route through Canadian university. So I think that 18 year looking back, yeah, it, it absolutely sucked. I wanted to play in the OHL so bad that, that, that off season um, for Belleville. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it kind of worked out for me in the end, you know, like kind of all the stars aligned and, we had a really good team and Whippy that year, you know, going all the way to the finals. And, you know, we had a, a lot of guys end up getting scholarships that year, the 20 year olds, um, whether it was NCAA D1, uh, D3, or, or a couple guys went uh, the, the CIS route as well. So, um, yeah, it kind of all worked out. And then, uh, yeah, I pretty much had the, the two years left before I uh, kind of went to school. And at that point, like, I just, first of all, I just looked at that Stolo team. So like a guy from Burlington, Christian Power, uh, yeah. Power has played for them. I remember that he went there. The deadline, Drake Kajula was there. Um, Kajula was there. Yeah. 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 They had a good team. Um, yeah. So now, like, you know, as I said, like you're, you're into those last two years of junior. Um, at this point, like, I want to kind of like hear like, like quickly, like, where was your focus? Like, are you thinking d1 versus cis u sports or were you thinking d1 and d3 slash u sports or was your mind just hey i want to only do one thing or like how was that for you because that's obviously a big decision for a lot of guys at that at this age is you know do i still hold on to the 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 d1 dream maybe i'm just a late bloomer and i'll get a scholarship that way or should i start thinking about other avenues like d3 or, or u sports yeah, it's actually a great question. And it's, uh, it's so true what you just said. You know, it, it's such a, a tough decision for, you know, a 20 year old kid to, to kind of make that decision. Um, I can only speak on, you know, my behalf and what I went through. Um, for me, it was, I was keeping all my options open that 20 year old year. You know, um, I remember, um, I finished those four years in Whippy. Um, I got the call that, you know, I would potentially could be traded and, um, when they told me Wellington uh, that year, I knew we were hosting, you know, at the time it was called the Dudley Hewitt Cup, which was, uh, I guess, the Central Canadian Junior Championships at the time. And then the winner would go to the RBC Cup, basically. So, I mean, it was uh, kind of a no brainer for me, honestly, I think to go there and have the opportunity to play in Wellington um, that 20 year old season. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say we had the best team, but I think for me, it was it was finally a chance where I kind of got out of my shell a little bit. And, um, you know, from when I was, you know, you know, 16 to 19, I was playing a different role, whereas in Wellington, you know, I was kind of the guy everyone looked up to. You know, I was playing top line minutes, you know, first line, first, uh, sorry, excuse me, uh, first line right wing. Um, at the time, I, I moved over from center. 
um, to, to play top line minutes. And I think that was a great decision for me. Um, and that year, you know, as it kind of went on, you know, I started off, you know, really well. Um, I think I had like 17 goals and 17 games and I was getting a lot of D one interest at the time, you know, from, from different schools and obviously some D three interest too, and, and some CIS interest. And then, kind of as the year went on we our team kind of faded and so did you know you know our, our numbers as well which is, is standard so kind of going into you know the end of the season um at the time you know I was turning 21 um and I think there was a rule back in the day too where if you know you turn 21 you have to be taking courses I believe at the time to to, to stay or go D1 I can't fully speak on that that rule essentially but um I started, you know, I was just keeping all my options open at the time. Um, for me, that 20 year old year was, was a blast. You know, I met some great people that year, some guys that, um, everyone billeted in Wellington too, which was cool. So, you know, some of my best friends to this day, um, I still keep in contact with, you know, my, my billet brother, um, at the time, uh, Eric De Laurentiis, uh, me and him are still best friends to this day. Um, which is awesome. My billet parents at the time, uh, Debbie and Dan uh, McGillivray, excuse me. Um, they're, uh, they actually live in Peterborough now. I'm still in contact with them. I, I, I go and see them, um, as, as often as possible. We still text and message each other, you know, whether it's by text message or on Facebook. And, you know, my parents to this day are still good friends with my billet and then, uh, my billet brother's parents as well. So. I think that connection too was very cool that, that season. Um, but like I said, as for me, I literally just kept all my options open. I didn't want to burn any bridges on either end. And then once the 20 year old season ended, probably I made kind of a late decision. Actually, it was probably like end of May, early June, where I had gone and visited, you know, a bunch of different schools, um, and went on a different recruiting trips, you know, to the NCAA and, and to CIS schools where I actually finally made my decision to, to, to play, you know, CIS hockey. Um, and I mean, I can probably speak on a little bit on my end too, where my parents at the time were kind of, I wouldn't say pushing me, but they were kind of told me the situation, Hey, you know, if you don't get a division one scholarship, you know, you know, fully paid for, mostly paid for, I think CIS is the, the best option because you know, if you go CIS, you know, it, it's obviously, um, it can be a lot cheaper for Canadians, right? You're not paying that international rate to go play D3 or even some D1 schools, you know, they're not giving, you know, full scholarships a lot anymore. Whereas it can be, uh, I wouldn't say a financial burden, but I mean, it's tough for parents, right. To, 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 you know, fork out a lot of money to, to go to, you know, these, these different, you know, these different schools in the States, if you don't have a full ride paid for. Right. So I think on my end, I, I, I made the right decision to, to go CIS and I'm, I'm totally glad with that decision, you know, to this day. Um, yeah. So first to talk about that rule, um, it probably might've changed by the time you were at it with the 21 year old, but I remember, um, my, one year a junior, uh, our rival, the Oakville Blades, had a 21 year old goalie or a 20 year old goalie, yeah. and they ended up went going to the RBC. And I remember at the Dudley Hewitt, he played the first three games of the round robin, and then the other guy went in who was actually the guy that was with me when I started in Burlington. And I was always like, Well, that's weird. Like, maybe is he hurt? But I had found out the rule was as that's soon right. as you, you turn... weren't allowed to play, right? Yeah. As soon as you yeah. turn 21, yeah, yeah. 
And that I remember that being the rule. So I think the Dudley Hewitt at the time too was past my 21st birthday. Yeah. I remember when I, when I played that game, I knew I was done. Right. So, which is yeah. unfortunate for those guys who have, you know, D one scholarships because it's like, yeah. you know, and I, I like, I, to be honest, I don't understand that rule. I think it's stupid, but anyway, yeah. so it, it forced them to change. So that was that. So I remember that from your side and then just quickly about the financial side, like let's just call it what it is. It is a burden. Like it's, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What what you have to pay for D3 and when I when I transferred D3, they still had a package then which was like an international package. So it was the yeah, Canadian yeah. the Canadians could get a bit off and I'm pretty sure the the year that I transferred, they cut it after that. So you'd be grandfathered. Oh, but, really? Yeah. yeah. But anyone yeah. knew no chance. So like you know, like let's be honest, like I don't know what it was that you end up going to, to Nipissing, but like, you know, you're probably in the range of seven to twelve thousand a year canadian maybe a little more maybe a little less depending what school you're going to versus you're going to these other schools in the u.s it's d3 unless you have an academic scholarship meaning your grades are uh really yeah. good and you can get some money off you're, you're still paying anywhere between 30 to 50 and and, and sometimes even more and you know exactly. so i understand it from your your parents perspective because it's not even it's it's a burden for them in a sense because they're obviously going to try to help you out but it's also i think it's a burden for you because if if you can't you know put a chunk down right away or you're working full time in the summer just to pay that off like it does uh these relief packages like they only go so far and it does take you into a lot in your life and you know even today like we talked about like a side thing of houses being so expensive well how are you supposed to at 30 years old be thinking about buying a house when you're still paying off how much is left of this D3 thing. So I understand it. And as I said, with everything, there's circumstances and different situations. But in the end, you end up going to Nipissing, um, play four years there. Um, I know you enjoyed your experience there. We've talked about it before. The one thing I wanted to talk to you about is at the time of like when I was playing and like it was a choice between OHL slash CIS versus NCAA, there was this stigma of a, like of CIS hockey. I know it's called U Sports now. At the time, it was called CIS, yep. and I just wanted to, to to talk to you about that. Like, how was the hockey in in your experience? Like, were you guys at this time? Were you still going through that stigma of like, oh, you play CIS, it's not that good of hockey, or was it finally transitioning? Because it only happened like recently. I feel like like within the last ten years. That's actually such a great question. It's something I was going to get a touch on right away when you brought up the thing. So I, I, to be honest, I had no idea what to expect going there. I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into with regards to the hockey part, you know, how good it was, you know, what type of players we had, where these guys were coming from. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I still remember, I know we're jumping a little bit ahead of here, but I'll, I'll go back my, my fourth year, end of the year meeting you know, with my coaches and we were kind of just, you know, shooting the shit about, you know, all four years of hockey. And I, I still remember to this day, my assistant coach looked at me and he says, you know, Steven, like this is the best hockey that nobody cares about or nobody watches because it's a legit league. Like, I don't think people realize how good the hockey is, you know, with regards to CIS and U sports, like the, the, a lot of these teams, you know, it, it's, it's all ex OHL players, you know, WHL players, major junior players that don't sign essentially NHL contracts and are using their school package. And then the rest of the team is rounded out basically with, you know, 
other junior A players or other, you know, lower end OHL players and, or uh, major junior players. And it was, it, the hockey was literally awesome. Like, I don't think people realize how big, how fast this, this hockey actually is. So, I mean, especially looking back, that's one piece of advice I could give to, to young kids to, you know, if you're going up through the ranks and, and, and something doesn't work out with you with regards to, you know, you know, if your dream is to go play NCAA D1 or, or D3 or, or whether it's, you know, go to the States, you need to realize or just go watch a game how good and fast paced CIS hockey is and youth sports hockey. It is like super legit. To this day, it's some of the best hockey I've ever played. Um, again, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here and I will get to that, but, um, you know, like I remember, you know, some of these teams, we would go down and play NCAA teams and we would be right there or just as good. Um, obviously the teams out East, you know, the, the UNBs, the University of New Brunswick's, the Acadia's, the St. FX's, they'd go down to the States and they would compete or beat, you know, all these teams, you know, the Boston colleges or, or whatever. And I still remember UNB. I mean, I don't know if this is fully true or not, but a, a couple of years, maybe not all four years, but they would play Big Hampton at the time, the Senators, the American League Farm team, and they would beat them pretty handily, right? So it's it's it sucks because you don't get that exposure from a, I guess like a, a network side of things. Whereas you know in the states, you see all these NCAA D1 games now on you know ESPN two plus or ESPN plus or whatever. Whereas in Canada, it's really only the national championship is actually, you know, promoted on TV, on TSN. But I mean, like, that's one thing I look back on and say, wow, it was like, it was, everyone was the age of 21 to probably about 25, 26. Sometimes even guys were older, you know, leaving the East Coast and then going to school or the American League, going back to get their education, you know, they're 27, 28. And it was it was good hockey, especially on the Canadian ice. It was fast paced. It was big, a lot of hitting, um, a lot of contact. You had to make quick decisions with the puck. And, um, that's one thing I remember too. Like it, 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 it was fast. You know, you had to, you had to be think quickly when you had the puck. And, um, I think that's a good message. You know, like I said, if I'm just re- repeating myself a little bit for a lot of these kids, you know, if you can go out and watch a CIS or e sports game and you don't know anything about it or you, don't think it's great hockey like your mind is going to change quickly it is it is a, a really legit league no i definitely agree i've i've had a couple of people on that uh who, who've been that route and i had a guy who was in college i believe in like 2004 2005 and like he was on uh university of new brunswick and they won the one year and like he said back then there was a huge there was a huge uh taint against it i would say as like oh you're going yeah cis good luck your career is over after that and this guy went on to play uh, 10 years in the top Austrian league as a goalie and, and had a really good career and now works in real estate back in Toronto. So he's, he did really well and was able to get above that. One thing I wanted to ask you, and this is honestly just came to my head as you were speaking and I'm not going to pretend that I know this 100%, but at least when I would pay attention to stuff like this, go online and check game sheets. So I, I agree with you when you say the CIS is a lot better than people give it credit for. It's really fast hockey, obviously. And you just laid out the reasons why, because there's OHLers going there. There's top tier two junior guys going there. There's guys from NCAA who maybe their situation doesn't work out. They're transferring there, et cetera. Why do you think, and this is just your personal opinion. And um, why do you think it doesn't draw as well as NCAA? So like even these top teams, like, you know, Carlton, uh, 
New Brunswick. Like they're not getting the fans like most NCAA teams are getting, you know, like, and I don't know if that's just because it's like part of the package when you go in NCAA is like the, the, the students themselves even know like, Hey, like we got to pick a sport, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, we're going to go support, create a kind of crazy, uh, as you would know now, like European fan atmosphere with the the drums and the bands and stuff, because like CIS, like, you know, I remember going to watch games at university of Guelph and they have like a hundred people there. And I'm just trying to figure out like, like how the, I guess how the attendance is so varied from maybe school to school and how it compares to like NCAA. That's such a great question. And I don't know if there's a right answer, but I could probably pick out a few things that come to mind for me right away. One thing that is big with regards to Canadian university sports, and you look at American campuses, they treat their sports like absolute royalty with regards to whether it's football, baseball, basketball. You know, you got March Madness, um, even the hockey teams, you know, they get a lot of credit. Um, Whereas I find in Canada, it's just the athletics is there. And it's I'm sure a lot of schools have big budgets, but it's just fundamentally, it's not rooted for as well with regards to american fans that where they take their sports so religiously they have so many boosters whereas it's hard to find that in in canadian athletics with regards to cis and new sports the other big problem too i would say is when you look at a lot of you know athletics for universities it's, i believe it's starting to get better but you know, I mean, even look at Nipissing, for example, where I went to go play hockey. Um, I believe before I went there, they had a huge draw be, um, because they didn't have an OHL team. But I think a year or two before I went there, the North Bay Battalion came in and they immediately lost all their fans. And that was one thing. But the other thing, too, is when you look at Canadian athletics um, with regards to campuses, and university, a lot of these teams don't have a, an ice hockey rink on campus, too. And that can be another big issue. With regards to Guelph, I get it. They have it right on campus. I still don't know why they don't draw fully, um, you know, a ton of fans. It could just be because people aren't interested or it's not, you know, built up enough. But with regards to Nipissing, so our campus was kind of, um, you know, up the hill, you know, up the other side of town, whereas the rink was pretty much right downtown North Bay. So it was like a good, it's hard to commute there for students unless they had good, good, you know, transportation for them to take. So I think that's one thing I can speak on, but I mean, it's a great question. And I think, you know, we, we kind of need more answers and, and, and people um, to kind of give their light on and opinion on, I believe, because it, it should be, it's never going to be as big as the NCAA in the States. I totally get it, but I believe there should be more, you know, enthusiasm and, and attraction for students to, to go to these games, you know, with, with regards to whether it's football, volleyball, any sport, basketball, you know what I mean? Because I mean, these, these athletes, especially at the CIS and U sports level, they're good athletes. And like you said, there was always that stigma. Oh, you're going to play CIS hockey, U sports, you know, your career's done. You're getting your education and, you know, you're going to work a, a nine to five or, or find a job and that's going to be the end of it. But I, I, I couldn't disagree more. Whereas, you know, you look at all these guys that are coming out now, you know, I, I think it's slowly getting better of CIS and U sports, you know, whether it's any sport that, that they're going to play at, you know, the professional level. So I think that's a great question. I don't really have the full answer on it, but those are just a couple of things that I could probably speak on that, that are tough and maybe some need to change. No, you raised good points. And as I said, I wasn't expecting, uh, 
a solution but it's just i, I said it's always fascinating me like i do agree it'll, it'll never be as big as ncaa um just because of the nature of it and you know if anyone's listening they've been to a golf game and there's been more than 200 people there at that time like i'm sorry it was just the games that i've seen that didn't <laughs> seem to be a lot of people there but yeah, my point yeah. my point is for example let's just talk about these two teams so let's talk about nipissing golf university they both have ohl teams these ohl yeah. teams draw well and for me it's Absolutely. why is the focus so mainly on these ohl teams because some of these ohl kids they, they might not get drafted and after the 21 year old year they might go play for that university team so why not someone you've spent years watching why not go support them as well and that's just something that you know there's i don't think there's any right answer and it's something that i don't know if it'll ever change but it was just always had was curious in my head i'm gonna ask other people on who, who go cis and kind of get their opinion as well but it was a cool thought but anyways, back to you and your career, because that's why we're here. Um, so after Nipissing, you finish your four years of uh, CIS hockey. And I'm sure in your head, you're like, all right, nine to five. Here I go. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you and this is like you end up going to Germany and you've been there ever since. And I think there's a there's obviously a unique reason why. And you were able to get your German passport, which is obviously huge for mm-hmm. any hockey player. Uh, doesn't matter what league you're playing in. And I just wanted to kind of go through that. So maybe there's younger generations out there listening who have some German descendants or German family and are curious to be like, you know, how was your experience getting it? Did you have it from the beginning? Did you have to go through all the the paperwork and stuff? And um, like for, for you also, when you went over, like how was it adjusting to, to life in Germany? Because it obviously is different than North America. Yeah, absolutely. So it was actually interesting. So it was after my third year of university. Um, I was going into my fourth year. Um, uh, my dad actually um, was able to get his uh, a German passport um, through heritage, basically, because my grandparents um, were German. Uh, my aunt was born in Germany. And then my uh, my Oma and Opa came over uh, to Canada with my aunt and then my dad was born, but it all, the stars kind of aligned, whereas, you know, through heritage, you were able to get your passport. And then, um, we started kind of doing the research, you know, you know, maybe there's an avenue where I could go play hockey. Um, you know, kind of like after that third year and halfway into my fourth year of university. And, um, it kind of all just worked out. Like, for example, at Nipsing, I had, um, you know, uh, my head coach was Mike McParland at the time. He uh, he was a, a very big name in, in Switzerland. I, I believe he has his Swiss passport as well, and so does his son. And then you kind of look at my assistant coaches I had around me too at the time was uh, Mark Kostrick, um, who is an, a, a legendary player in Germany. I think he played in Germany for over 20 years, and he's actually German descent. Um, so his uh, he's actually German. I believe his wife's German. I can fully speak to that. Um, Mark, if your wife's not German, I'm sorry, but I, I believe so. Um, but yeah, he was kind of the one that pushed me down that road. He was like, when I, when I told him, Hey, you know, this is kind of, you know, what I'm thinking, um, this is the potential for me to get my German citizenship and my passport, you know, through my father. And, um, you know, I remember saying like his eyes lit up, he's like, man, you, you, you pretty much have the golden ticket if you ever want to go, go play professional hockey. Right. So um it actually all worked out um speaking to the process part it was long i'm not gonna lie i think it took probably about eight to ten months from that that start of that year and i think i finally got it probably towards the end of my my fourth year at university um there was a lot of paperwork that had to be filled out you know um a lot of documents that needed to be to be had to be dug up 
um, for example, um, my dad needed to have his first, which he did, which he got prior, which was nice. Um, and to, to prove everything. So I actually just did that at the Toronto, um, uh, the German consulate downtown Toronto, but it was a lot of, I think I went back there maybe three or four times, um, looking back on it now. And, um, yeah, it actually all worked out. Like I ended up, uh, getting my, my passport, you know, at the end of that fourth year. And then, um, it was kind of interesting because I actually took accounting at university through Nipsing. Um, that was my major. Um, and, uh, at the time I kind of had to make a decision, okay, you know, do I want to basically start a, a, a career in accounting or do I want to kind of give this a shot and, and go play hockey in Germany? And that's kind of how it all started. Um, and, uh, I made the decision to go overseas. Just looking up your your coaches while you were speaking, and I just realized that your assistant coach, so he is German, and he ended up playing with like my best friend's dad, played with Larry Mitchell, Mark yeah, Malone, oh yeah. all these guys. They played together uh, in yeah. Mark, maybe some other places, but pretty crazy. And yeah, yeah. Your, your head coach, obviously, long time in Switzerland, and obviously with the the pass or the license there. Um, I have some experience in that with uh with with Josh there having the license as well, but uh yeah yeah well, it's yeah. crazy how small the world is you know I'd love to talk maybe one day I'll get these guys on and talk to them but it's, uh it's interesting you actually if you ever get a chance you have Mark on he's a, he's an interesting guy he's been over there forever he's you no know, he's got so many good stories I think he played him you know a couple of those years um you know in Berlin when they were giving out you know, crazy amounts of money yeah. And, Teams just going bankrupt left, right, and center. But uh, yeah, he was he was a legend in Germany. Man, uh, just so many people I've talked to like that are now coaches or GMs in in Germany, and like it was normal every year to start a season, get paid a shit ton, and then by December just know that that yeah. team's gonna go bankrupt and you gotta switch. <laughs> like it was just yeah. a different world. But um, one other question I had for you. So I think this is another good point. So obviously, yeah, um, you got your pass, um, and you end up needing to pick an agent so obviously as we know you're with peter meyer who is also my agent with sportagon um i think for both of us he's he's been great but obviously it's you know there's many agents out there uh, other guys in germany that are, are doing just as well um you know peter peter obviously has done well for himself too but i'm just saying there's other options out there so i'm wondering when did you start working with peter and how was um the decision process for you because it is a big decision like you know, obviously you can switch throughout time, but like normally in a perfect world, I think you want to pick someone that you feel like represents you best and have them till the end. So I'm just wondering kind of your, your process between picking guys. Cause you have having a pass. I'm sure that, you know, he wasn't the only one reaching out to be like, Hey, let, this is what I can do for you. That's actually a good question. So is it, it's interesting actually, because I, I originally, when I started to go over to Germany or knew I had the chance to go over to Germany, um, I, I won't mention his name, but I actually had an agent prior to Peter and he was actually originally my agent for my first two years while I was in Germany and the summer before. Um, and when I started getting some interest, you know, I didn't, I, to be honest, I had no idea what it was like over in Europe, you know, how it works. Um, if I could go back, maybe I would have done a little more research, but now, you know, being over for so long, you see the ways of how things work and how people recruit guys and, and the different agents over there. But at the time, I literally just had gotten in contact through a friend of a friend and I eventually went with this guy as my agent. And it turns out he, funny story, actually, he knew um, Lance Neethry at the time, when, again, another legendary player in Canada and in Germany. 
And he was the GM of the time of the Duisburg, um, the folks of Duisburg in the Oberliga. And it turns out Lance had a house in North Bay on Lake Nipissing. And I was going for graduation, like, I want to say, like, in June, I was going back to North Bay. So me and Lance actually had lunch. We ended up hooking up there, having a lunch, you know, you know, eating, talking, hockey or whatever. And um, I eventually decided to sign with Duisburg. Long story short, turns out, you know, um, it's tough as a player, um, you know, for example, like, you you, you want... Um, your agent obviously to to reach out to you you know if you have a question for him you know if you hear something or, or, or you just have a, a general you know a conversation about a topic that you're interested in or you want an answer to and, and to get an answer and i remember after my my first year um it was tough for me i couldn't get my agent on the phone i understand to this day he has a ton of players um you know we didn't really have a, a great connection in the first place we were kind of just paired together as I went over to Germany. Um, so that was that. And then I eventually left him. Um, we, you know, we mutually decided, you know, to part ways, which was totally fine. Um, I respect, I respected him for saying it, it's fine. And, and me too. And we, we have no bad blood to this day, but it was tough. And then I remember actually meeting Peter. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but just to answer your question, I'm meeting Peter my third year um in germany when i was in selb and i i think for me too if, you know when you look at an agent or someone <laughs> at the end of the day you just want them to have your best interests and you want them to answer you you know what i mean you know if you have a question for them and you text them you want them to answer back you know whether it's a couple hours later you don't want to have to wait four or five days to, to get a phone call back and i remember having lunch with peter and um for me, I mean, you know, look at Sportagon Group and you look at Peter Meyer. Um, he's done so much for me. He's been such a good guy. You know, he's always a guy that will reach out to you before you reach out to him, which is nice. You know, you know, he has your best interest. Um, he doesn't have as many players as a lot of these other agents do in Europe. Right. So, you know, he's not, you know, dealing with, you know, a lot of people. So, you know, he's putting your best interest first. And I think the other thing too, is, you know, you look at Peter, like he's just a, a genuine nice guy and he's a guy I want to have a beer with, you know, at a restaurant or a bar. Right. And to have a conversation with, and I think for me, that that's a big thing, you know, when, when you're trying to pick an agent, um, obviously, you know, having an agent trying to find you a, a good club with a good salary is important, but at the end of the day, you, you almost want to consider your agent, you know, a friend of yours. Right. And I, I do consider Peter, to be a friend of mine, he's a great guy. You know, we can always bounce ideas off each other. Or, you know, if, if we, he calls me, you know, during the season or, you know, before the season or in the summer, I, you know, I look at my phone call and it, it could be you know, 30, 40 minutes at the time, right? Just talking, shooting the shit and, and, and just talking. So I think that's big, you know, especially it, it's tough in this day and age. You know, you look at a lot of people consider agents, you know, I'm using the scummy, the word essentially, right? Some guys, but I think. For me, Peter's just been nothing but respectful, had my best interests, um, and he'll just tell me the truth straight up. Hey, you know, if I'm looking for a contract, this team doesn't want you. Okay, thank you. Whether as other agents can kind of, you know, beat around the bush, and that's not really what you want as a player. So I think, you know, with regards to Sportagon, like you said, me and you have the same agent. I have uh, nothing but good things to say about Peter. And um, I think for me, he's been... Uh, a great decision uh, with regards to, to, to playing pro in Germany and switching over to him. 
It's kind of turned into a plug for him, and I didn't mean it to, but it was. Uh... I know it's. it's <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean it either. But I. I just. It was like a long story, just to answer your question. Just because I had prior, I had a lot of prior problems with agents, you know, in my especially my last agent. So that was. Uh, it, it was. Uh, it was a tough, tough time. No, and I think it's a good experience to hear from because at the end of the day, you raised all the points that I think are. It doesn't matter. There's tons of good agents out there. That's a true fact. Um, the three things that I would agree with you on is you want someone who's going to have your best interest and you know that they're going to be calling teams, selling you appropriately. They're not going to oversell you to teams. They're not going to just message a team. Um, like I know, for example, I get I get emails and it's just a letter of, hey, I got this client. Let me know if you're interested. And it's like, there's nothing to it. And I, and I like for me, yeah. it, it, it doesn't give me the motivation to go like watch a video on this guy. Like, hey, give me a call. Give me a text. Let's talk about this player. Like how, how is he? And then I'll do my research. But if you just, if it's just a name on a sheet and I get agents are busy, then it it just changes it. The second thing I think is, is, you know, he's able to get, you're able to get a hold of him. And and as you said, it doesn't have to be, we got to talk for an hour every time that I want to reach out to you, but Hey, uh, did you do anything here? Can you let me know if this happens? And it's just, even if, if he's busy, it'll be a, yep, uh, sure. Or yeah, I'll try or like just anything to let you, to keep you in the loop. And then as the third thing, which you, which you brought up is he's honest. And I think that's yeah. a lot of these guys, they try to beat on the bush at times instead of just being honest. Like, as you said, Hey, Steven, I talked to this team. They have no interest in you right now. Okay. At least, yeah. you know, so at least in your head, yeah. you know, okay, that's, that's off the list unless something changes. And I think that's the big thing which is why I also went with him and why for anyone listening, if you're getting an agent, it doesn't matter what age it is. I think those are the three main things you want to look for in somebody. And as I said, there's many good agents out there, North America, Germany, Switzerland, whatever. They'll do the same things that Peter does. You just have to have that good relationship with them where it's kind of like a friendship, but also there's the business side versus just, as you said, with your previous agent, you kind of got paired together and it was like a, a, a tough match to begin with, or just, you guys had different, ideas on how to do stuff so um back just back to your to your hockey so like as you said you went over to to Duisburg there um you know you played a couple of years in the overleague and i like what one thing i wanted to talk about with you is just because you've been fortunate to be part of a team that's won a championship and mm-hmm. when you transition to selb so your third year of professional hockey uh you go to selb and, you know, obviously this is the COVID year, so you guys are playing without fans, but you guys end up winning the championship in the Overleague and getting promoted to the Dell 2. Um, not sure if a lot of people would have thought that would have happened. You, know, you have the Vidans, the Hanovers, the Rosenheims at this time, even Halla, like other teams that are spending a lot of more money than you guys. I just want you to kind of take us through like that year, how that was for you and evidently like winning the championship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, right from the beginning, it was, uh, it was an interesting start to, to the season, to say the least. Um, I think I signed that year back in, uh, probably like mid of middle of April. Um, and kind of, I think COVID started in that March. So that whole summer, I just, I wasn't even sure if the, the season was going to go on. Um, no one really knew had, had any idea. And I, I remember, you know, we got over to Germany, I believe late August or, or middle of August. Um, I, I can't remember exactly, but, I remember we had a couple of meetings, but, you know, with management and our whole team and, and no one really knew even if the season was going to start or, or what was going on. Right. Um, so that, that part was the completely, you know, it was, it's almost mind blowing and interesting because you're like, okay, I just flew all the way over here from Canada, 
you know, to Germany to start training and practicing. And I don't even know if this season's going to start. Um, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, you know, it, it, they get everything figured out. Um, you know, they start, uh, you know, loosening the rules a little bit. We ended up having, you know, I think for maybe one or two exhibition games, I don't know exactly, but we had, you know, a certain amount of fans, whether it was 500 or, or 700. And then, um, I still remember like a couple of weeks into the season, like a, a bunch of teams started getting COVID, um, you know, different players and the, the quarantine rules, they were very strict at the time. It was automatic, you know, 14 days for teams. And, and we just kept, uh, it was kind of crazy. Like that whole season, I remember like, you know, I, when I talked to, you know, uh, and Nick Miglio at the time, I, I had just met him that year, but he ended up being one of my good friends and, and still is to this day. And, you know, Brad Snetzinger, the other Canadians and Americans and, and even the German guys. And we're like, we, we just got so lucky that whole year, you know, it's just, um, every, I felt like every team in our league that year ended up getting shut down for COVID with players being sick. And our team just kept trucking. And it's not that, I mean, we did have a couple of players that were sick and they tested, but everyone just kept testing negative. It was to this day, like the whole season, like it was just negative, negative, negative. And we just kept going on runs. Um, you know, we had a great team that year. I think I definitely looking back on it, we definitely weren't the most skilled team. That's for sure in the league or had, you know, we had some top players and some good players, but I think essentially we're just well balanced. And that was huge for us. Like it just well balanced. Um, we were very good on home ice that year. I think when I look back at that season, I think our first game was at home and we lost to Regensburg, the very first season game. I think we lost three, two to Regensburg. And then that weekend, I think we came back and beat Fusen in overtime and we were actually losing. And that was going to be like a weekend sweep of losses for us. And I think after we won that overtime game, everything just kind of clicked. It was like two or three games in the season. I don't think we lost another home game until I want to say second round of playoffs against Rosenheim. And that was the only home game we lost after the Regensburg game all season. Like it was just, I think it, I, I don't want to say it was, you know, we, we dominated the league, but we just, you know, we, we ran through a lot of teams. And I think for me that year, it, it was good too, because I was put in a situation where my, my centerman was Lanny Gare, um, a Canadian German, and then I had Nick Miglio on the left wing, and that was kind of our, our top go-to line that year. And we kind of played, you know, uh, uh, where me and Miglio would skate a lot. We were fast style, whereas Lanny was, you know, I'm not, he was a little bit older, and he was getting us the puck a lot. But we also played like a really hard North American style. And I thought that was really good for us. It kind of set the tone almost for everyone else on the team that, you know, hey, our top line is, you know, we got Nick Miglo, who won the, the most valuable player of the league that year. We got Lanny Gare, who, you know, led the league in assists, I believe, that year. Um, you know, I, I was I had an injury that year for 10 weeks, but I was, you know, putting up good numbers and, and getting, you know, you know, scoring and, and, and um, you know, getting my points and running the power play. But it was also more, you know, hey, we're not just like skilled in this league. We're going to run you over. And our four check that year um, was actually it was a lot of fun, you know, and you, you look at the European style compared to the Canadian style, you know, with the big ice, I would say there's, there's still contact, but there's not as much contact, um, you know, with regards to the North American style, but we, we almost just play like a big North American heavy hitting style in Europe. And I think that year was awesome. Like no one could stop us on the four check. So, I mean, with regards to the season, it, it was a blast. Um, for me, I, you know, I blew out my knee, um, 
that year, actually in January. And I was able to come back, I think early March, I think I got like two or three season games and, um, before the end of the year. And then, uh, and then again, going into playoffs, you know, I think we finished, you know, second in the league that year or second in, in the overleague or South that year. And again, you look on paper, everyone said, you know, it's probably going to be Regensburg or, or the Rosenheims, right. Against, you know, maybe Hanover. And it's the funny thing with playoffs, kind of the stars just have to align, you know, it's just, you know, it, who you get, you know, how you play. And I think the first round we played Lindau, um, you know, we, we ran them pretty good. Uh, I mean, they were a good team, but we still beat them three straight. Um, and then we kind of went into that Rosenheim series, that second round. And I still remember, like, I, even to this day, I, I still talk to Nick and, and Lanny, a couple other guys about it. I think that second round of playoffs was probably the hardest series and the toughest series we played. Um, at the time, it was only best three out of five. And it went to game five. And I think we won game five, maybe two, one with like a late third period goal or like early third period goal. And, you know, we, we scored an empty netter, but that honestly, if you look back at that series, that series could have gone either way. Rosenheim could have beat us and they could have gone all the way. You know what I mean? And it was just, it was a flip flop of probably that I thought the two best teams in the, in the South that year and probably the two best teams in the league. Um, and then it just worked out. We went to, um, you know, we, we ended up playing Regensburg. And we always matched up well against Regensburg that year. I felt like that year they they weren't very, you know, uh, they didn't really play the playoff style hockey that we played. You know, we were very physical on them and, and we were able to shut down their top guys and their power play. Um, so that was fun too. I think we beat them 3-1. And then of course the finals, the finals was a, was a blast. You know, that, that whole year everyone said, oh, it's going to be the Scorpions, you know. Hanover's going to win. Hanover's going to win. You know, they, they got the best players, you know, they, they got, you know, the, at the time, you know, maybe the most money, the biggest budget, but I mean, we just held true. Like it was, uh, you know, we lost the first game in Hanover, never got down ourselves, came back to sell, won the second game. And I think the third game, it was interesting. We drove all the way to Hanover and we got smoked. Like it, the game wasn't even close. It was like six, one, I don't even know, maybe five, one. And it just wasn't pretty. And, I think like even at the time, you know, driving back to Selb, I think a lot of guys were still like, Hey, like we're, we're still in this. Like I, if for me, for my personal belief and like what I can say about how I was thinking, I was actually never worried that final series, even though we were down two one, the only time I was a little worried, like I said, was in the second round against Rosenheim. And then we went back to Selb game four, shut them down and won. And then of course, game five on the road in Hanover. And I mean, like they say, game five or a deciding game, game seven, anything can happen. And I think, um, I remember we took a bus, uh, to, to Hanover the day before stayed in a hotel. Um, I think we got there late. I like, didn't get a great sleep. I can remember like sleeping in the crappy hotel bed there. And I remember we had morning skate that day in Hanover and it was like middle of May at the time. It might've been like May 8th or May 9th. And you know, uh, for people that don't know, so the, uh, the Scorpions and Vita Mark, they play in an outdoor arena, basically, or it's half outdoors. And it was so hot that day. I think it was like 20, 25 degrees, not even kidding, like early May. And the ice was literally slush. Like we were doing morning skate and I was like, they handling a puck and the puck was just soaked. Like I was just like, there was water splashing everywhere. I couldn't believe we were going to have to play a hockey game later that night, you know, in Hanover. But um, again, if you look at that game, like I think we went down one, nothing in that game, that final game. And then 
it was kind of cool. Like we just had guys, like everyone stepped up. Like it was just, you know, we had four good lines. And I think, you know, I can speak for, you know, Richie in the situation at the time, you know, he was coming back from injury and he was playing fourth line center at the time or fourth line wing. And he had two goals in that final game for us, you know? So that was huge. I just felt like guys chipped in at big moments, you know, everyone, you know, we didn't like in the playoffs, there wasn't like a, a clear cut, you know, guy, you know, that had, you know, you know, a couple points a game or was taking dominance. It was kind of everyone chipping in at the right times, you know, everyone was scoring big goals, you know, making big plays. And I think, um, to that game, I remember like that the, the very last shift, it, it was kind of funny. It's a moment I'll never forget where we went out there and I just, I remember blocking, blocking a shot from the point and I ended up chipping it out to Nick and Meg skated down the the left side and put it in the empty net. And I remember skating as fast. If you watch the video, I'm skating like full speed from like our zone, like all the way down the ice, chasing the empty net goal, just in case it doesn't, you know, go in the net. And I'm like ready to grab at the puck. If it's like going to go to the outside of the net or not. And I ended up leaving it and it went in. And I just, I just remember that moment, you know, once we, we had the empty net goal to make it, I think it was four or two at the time that you know that was uh that was it and that was the the ceiling point and um you know it was it was fun to win on the road too in Hanover so like I said uh there's not really much you know more to say about that season it was spectacle I think uh like I said before I don't think we had the 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 best you know or the most skilled team but I just think we were so well balanced you know from you know, from our first line to our fourth line, um, you know, we pretty much rolled four lines that whole playoffs. Or as I think a lot of teams in the Oberliga can rarely do that in the regular season, right? So I think for us that was a that was a huge advantage. Oh, you brought up a huge point there. Like I, I've said it to this day. Um, skilled teams are good during the season, but they're not going to win in playoffs because it's a different type of hockey. And like you said, yeah. you guys were we're four lines deep and you know guys like Richie that had to take different roles because of injury but he's still contributing like that's what you need to to win and evidently you guys had that and that's probably the big reason why you guys won and you know I've heard many stories about the the party after the bus ride everything it was a lot of fun stuff but uh you know that brought us to when we met each other so obviously you guys went up to the Dell too uh we spent the past two seasons together and now you've transitioned uh to to bad tolls this year um, I wanted to talk to you about kind of your recent uh concussion thing, but I feel like to be quite honest, like we've been going pretty long. I feel like that's another topic of itself. And for me, it's like this is where we could do a Stephen D part two sometime. So I'm gonna skip that for now and one day we'll be able to come back to it plus uh the next couple of years of your of your career and also touch more on the Dell two days. But I wanted to ask you three more questions. So first one is like how long do you see yourself like playing for and do you have any plans for after hockey that's a great question uh i still don't have the full answer to it should, should we get um, brooklyn I, on here to ask yeah. uh, she, she might be the real one <laughs> if she was standing behind me right now she'd probably be you know tapping on my shoulder saying no more hockey um no it for me i i, I think i'm at the point now where i'm just going i'm going year by year um Obviously, my last contract was two years and it ended. And uh, this year, I just signed a, a one-year contract in, in Bad Tolts. And I think for me, if I, I kind of look at, you know, my my future plans with regards to hockey, I'll, I'm going to play this year, see how it goes. Uh, just bet on myself for the one year. And then um, maybe another year after that. Um, but again, at this time, I, I can't comment how long. It's probably just one or two more years for me. 
uh, probably about probably two more years and then kind of go from there. And then with regards to my future plans, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know where I see myself landing. Um, I would love to get into to something with regards to, you know, finance or maybe accounting, kind of what I what I took and enjoyed at school. So that's something I actually got to start looking into, going to down that path. Um, so again, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see when I, when I cross that road. Uh, keep playing. Enjoy it while you can. That's all I'm going to say there. Brooklyn, you can listen to this later and <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'll get a, I'm sure I'll get an Instagram message. Um, uh, uh, last two, obviously I think I know the answer to this, but did you think you would have the kind of career you've had when you're looking back? Uh, not really. No, to be honest. I, I mean, I think I'm pretty lucky, you know, it's, it's funny. A lot of my buddies, you know, I'm 30 years old now and you know, a lot of my buddy, my best friends I grew up with, you know, whether I was playing hockey with or not, and, and I see them, you know, they're working in office jobs or different stuff. And uh, they talk about, you know, their work experience. And then they always just look at me and said, like, don't, don't ever retire her. Like you're so lucky. Right. So, I mean, I'm truly blessed. Like at the, at the age of 30, I, I get to go to the rink every day and, and make a living, right. Playing hockey. So, um, looking back on it now, I, I, I can say, I mean, I'm going into my sixth year of professional hockey and uh, I'm very humbled for that. And, um, you know, I, I, I really don't take it for granted. It's a good mindset to have. And yeah, like, as I said, everyone who's not playing or stop playing tells everyone else to keep playing. And I would agree with that. Like it, but there's obviously, uh, everyone has different decisions to make in life. And, uh, you know, as you said, though, I think you've had a, a good career, you know, being able to play in Germany, you know, Brooklyn's been with you experience that culture, get paid to do what you love. So that's great. Uh, last one here. What is one piece of advice, or if you have a couple, multiple, multiple pieces of advice you would give your younger self or the younger generation? So if you're speaking to Stephen D at 16 years old or kids in similar situations, what are one or a couple of things, uh, you would tell them to keep in mind? That's a good question too. Um, I, I would honestly say for me, don't specifically focus 100% on hockey. And I know this kind of sounds crazy, but play a different array of sports growing up. You know what I mean? You see some of the best athletes nowadays, they're playing all these different sports. You know what I mean? The best hockey players, you know, sometimes they're trying other things in the summer. Don't get too involved, you know, from an age of, you know, eight to 12 years old, play summer hockey 24 seven, go to hockey camps all the time, play a different array of sports, honestly, with regards to growing up, you know what I mean? That's how you build better habits actually with regards to hockey and, you know, picking up different sports, you know? Um, and then the other thing too, is like, if, if, as long as you love the game, just keep playing and keep working hard. I mean, I think one thing I could go back and look on, I would, probably work twice as hard from when I was 16 to 20 to, you know, you know, try and get to, to a higher level, you know, you know, quicker, faster and, and be stronger. So, I mean, like I said, the one biggest thing is, you know, play a different array of sports, you know, if you're eight to 12 years old, don't spend 24 seven playing hockey because you might get sick of it. You know, if it's the summertime, play some baseball like I did or other sports, you know, get involved in some other sports. It'll make you a better athlete and a better hockey player at the end of the day. And the other thing too, as long as you love it, you want to be in the best situation you can. So you want to go somewhere where you play. And if you do truly love it and you want to keep playing and you want to get better and you want to make it to a high level, then you got to do the extra, extra work. You can't just put in a half-ass effort. All these kids nowadays are so good. They're working harder. They're getting stronger. They're getting faster. They're doing more conditioning. They're doing more, you know, weightlifting, you know, at a young age. So if you truly do love it and you want to go play a higher level, you can't half-ass it. 
No, you raised a lot of good points there. I mean, last week's guest said the same thing, uh, multiple sports. It, it really does benefit you. And then, as you said, you got to work hard. And I think there's a saying, I don't correct, uh, don't quote me directly, but it's like uh, talent or hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So like talent can only get you so far, basically. And the guys who put yeah. in the work are going to eventually catch you and probably outlast you so definitely some good advice i know you got to get going so uh i appreciate you taking the time and uh yeah as i said i'd love to do another one we'll talk when you're when you're done maybe somewhere accounting or in the real world and we can talk about uh the rest of your career as well as what i wanted to talk about too with the kind of concussions and just bringing awareness to it because obviously recently you went through something that was pretty hard but now i'm happy you're you're well and again uh deager i appreciate you uh taking the time yeah, thanks, Harzi. Uh, much appreciated. And then, uh, yeah, we should do another one and tell you some better stories, hopefully, when I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> Something won't get you in trouble. Perfect, man. Well, again, thank yeah. you uh, for those listening. Appreciate you guys as always. Until next time, cheers and ciao.